press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. 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 Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Dylan, what's up? It's it's that time of the month. I love our twin talks. I think this is the fourth one that we've done on the main feed. Fun as hell. Well, I'm used to just us talking on Patreon, so I had to recalibrate what I, you know, our, my little introduction here would be. Totally, because with Patreon, you know, and if y'all don't subscribe, which is called do. Drama Plus, because drama it's Drama Plus. Plus even more. Right. It's mostly close friends on Instagram, plus bonus episodes. And I think yeah. now's a great time to announce what the bonus episodes are going to be coming up, all the way up until the Tony nominations on May. I think 2nd is the Tony nominations date. And we're going to be doing a series of mini episodes, one a week, that will be breaking down the possible nominees for each of the main categories we're doing the acting categories and best musical. Do you want to do the plays as well? Or we could we'll probably do like one episode on the plays. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, here on drama, we we do love the art of straight play, but we're musical girls at heart. So like, unless you're talking to me about a doll's house starring Jessica Chastain, in which I ride so hard for. Or if you're talking to me about slave play or the inheritance or you <laughs> angels know. in America. <laughs> okay, wait, let me scratch that. We are more than just musical theater girls, but for the fun, it's it's probably easier to kind of narrow down the musical race because a lot of the plays are limited runs and I haven't seen a lot of them, which is weird. I, this is going to be the first year that I won't have seen a lot of the shows because I don't have a, a big trip planned for that time of the year. Right. Oh my God. So, well, I mean, I guess we'll know for sure in a, in a while, but but especially before nominations, you're not going to see like Sweeney, Parade, what else is out there? Shucked, New York, New York. These are the big heavy hitters of the season that you're- Camelot. The, the, new, the new ones, Camelot. I know, I'm, Dylan, I might have to go without you. I think you got to just go to some of these see shows. everything you want to see. I know. Pretend just... as though I'm there. Bring all our friends that you can see shows with. And yes. I'll just expect reports here on the podcast weekly. But it's so uh, hard to talk to you about shows without you having seen it. Because I don't want to ruin it. I have no problem telling you what I thought. But I don't want to get too into it. And there's no one I love breaking down a plot with more than my sissy. It was the whole conceit of the podcast. I mean, we would sit <laughs> on the the A or the three on our way back uptown and break down these these shows we just saw. I know. Sometimes sitting in close proximity to actors who were in the show. <laughs> Shout out to Jay Johnson. And, you know. Who's in Parade. Who's in Parade. A lot of friends of the pod are in these revivals this season. It's so fun. It's so mm-hmm. fun. I mean, Colton is literally starring in New York, New York. Mm-hmm. How about Parade canceling their Saturday night performance when the New York Times is there? I, I don't, I'm hearing the word on the street is it was a press performance. That's why they specifically canceled it. Right. Who better than the press to be tweeting live from a performance that it's a press performance and it's canceled for technical reasons? Well, I guess their projector didn't work. And apparently it's a pivotal part of the show's storytelling mechanism okay and that it, it gives you like 
I asked the person telling me this not to spoil it because I, I want to go into it and experience it myself. But I guess it is very key in moving the story forward and getting to know the characters specifically. So mm. it's understandable why they cancel. But, you know, it's funny for me because I live right down the block. If a show was canceled for me, I'm almost like, okay, free night. I'm relieved. What am I going to do with my night? But for people who come in from out of town who live out in, you know, deep Brooklyn or wherever they're coming in from New Jersey that are coming to watch these shows. Like that is a really sad, I feel like this, this kind of stuff did not happen pre COVID ever since COVID we've got like cancellations for COVID and non COVID related injuries. We've got, you know, shows canceling because of projectors not working. We've got Jay Harrison G gets ill and they're in previews. So they cancel a night of performances. So the understudy can, you know, there's just so many odd things happening these days that maybe I didn't know happened before, but now we just know everything. Well, yeah, I think that's a great point. They Did you read that interview with Charlotte St. Martin? Okay, it is odd, but. What do you mean it, odd? She was just dodging everything left and right uh, about about like, will this continue? Will this continue? Will this continue? Have you guys made efforts on this? And it was all basically a big goose egg of answers. Um, and I feel comfortable saying that because it's, you know, it's the truth. And she was like asked if performance cancellations will be like a continued thing. And it was like, wow, like, I guess you're right, Connor. That is like a newer thing. I can't remember a single time ever going to New York and seeing something and being told the performance was canceled. Yeah. I've heard of, um, you know, previews being delayed by a few days due to technical issues. You know, when we saw Moulin Rouge in Boston, performances were delayed because of the construction issues, but we had gotten advance notice. So I don't know. It's really interesting. I mean, I was nervous the last couple of times I was in New York of like, oh, if this gets canceled, what do I see instead? I had to have sort of a backup list but i know anyways what are you most sad to not be seen like what are you most looking forward to i guess is the positive twist in the question like you know it's it's for me i have been mostly getting very excited about these revivals because to me like i've seen a lot of the new musicals the only ones i won't have seen are like shocked bad cinderella and new york new york but i really need to see sweeney you know annalee is my girl i i'm desperate to see it and hear you know, what they've done to sort of reimagine it. And I'm, I'm really interested in Camelot after talking to Jordan and of course Parade because everyone who saw it off Broadway loved it. But we'll talk about the, you know, the performances as it goes along and like who's going to be possible nominees and whatnot. But also Fosse, the dancing show. I really want to see that. I, I keep forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. It's right down the block. I need to go. I need to see that. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I, mm-hmm. I apologize, Danson. I forgot you on my list of new shows. I'm sad that I'll be missing a few shows that are going to be closed by the time I'm back. Like, oh. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see Prima Facci. I don't know if I'll be able to see Pictures from Home, Summer 1976. There's like a bunch of those, the Thanksgiving play, a bunch of those shows, maybe even Leopoldstadt. Like, I don't know if I'll be able to see any of those. Yeah. Oh, I need to see Leopoldstadt. A lot of plays, obviously. But yeah, that's it's- like the only thing. You know, people ask me all the time, do you miss New York? Do you miss New York? And I think the biggest thing I just miss is getting to see theater, comedy shows, drag shows, you know, those like one-off night performances and whatnot. That is like the thing that I miss the most. Yeah, cabarets. I mean, I was at at the club every other night when I lived in New York and worked at 54. And for better or worse, I was dragged along with you. Some nights you'd be like, you're staying for both tonight, you know? I know. Crazy. Another another life. 
when I go see stuff all the time, I'm like, Dylan would have loved this. Dylan, I wish Dylan was here, blah, 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 blah. But it has let, allowed me to open up my plus one possibilities beyond yes. just taking you to something. So that's been kind of fun. But anyway, okay, so Dylan, so much has happened in the last month since we did this. I mean, it, not, I not only on the stage, but off the stage, we had the Oscars. We have Scandal. We have a new Marvel movie, a new Scream movie. We have Funny Girl is Closing. We That's ha- probably the like, big thing, because we kind of spoke about this last time. Actually, I think we talked about it on a Drama Plus episode. Okay. But we talked about how Ramin had announced that he was going to be doing this Phantom. Was it in Italy? And so Phantom in Italy. Yeah. And so obviously that is still happening. So he's going to probably be taking a little bit of a vacation this summer. But it, it said that all the leads extended through the end of the run. So... It's officially closing in September. So Leah and Tova will have done about a year in the show. Wow. It's just incredible. It gave the show a whole extra year of life that I don't think it necessarily would have had. I know. I agree. It's, it's, it's one of those rare iconic replacement casts. Like, like I would even like Bernadette and Hello Dolly. Yeah. Totally. You know, that's the most recent one I can think of where yeah. they did this changeover and I couldn't help but think today, on this very day, I was talking to somebody about Paradise Square and Jakina's win. Had Leah been the original Fanny in Funny Girl last season, she would have undoubtedly been nominated. Totally. And I wonder what would have happened because Jakina in Paradise Square, I mean, she was amazing, but I wonder if the story about Leah in Funny Girl and all that would have carried her through to a win more than a win for Jakina's role in an original musical, which is also amazing, you know, for an original musical, you know, for someone who's not playing Cher or Michael Jackson or, you know, Donna Summer or someone to get nominated or win in a role that's based on something else. Like for Jakina to create a role was really cool. Of course, love that. But I don't know. What do you think? Would it have been Leah versus Jakina in terms of? I don't think so. I don't think so. The whole narrative about the saving of the show and this redemption arc and you know, Leah has had to answer to her crimes, as we'll call them. But I don't think so. I think that that makes the story that much sweeter is that she came in and there was no brass at the end of it for her. This was purely a career move, a redemption move. You know, Leah is sublime. It is incredible. But Joaquina's performance was absolutely incredible, too. So, I mean, the other nominees from last season were Sharon D. Clark for Carolina Change, Carmen Cusack for Flying Over Sunset, Sutton Foster in The Music Man and Mayor Winningham from Girlfriend with Country. And I would have, there's at least two that I would have knocked out of there for yeah. Leah, for Leah, for sure. I agree. For sure. I agree. That's really interesting. I love, I love the if then scenarios. Especially Mayor Winningham, who I, I just don't feel like she was the lead of that show. Not to say her performance wasn't as good, but I felt like that was such an ensemble piece. Don't yeah. you think? Oh, absolutely. I loved her. I, lo- I think I was one of the, I don't want to say one of the few people who really enjoyed Girl from the North Country, but it's a no. show that I actually think about a lot. And I listen to the album all the time, which is so weird of me. There are certainly a few from the album that I listen to, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think Carmen Cusack in Flying Over Sunset, absolutely iconic performance and iconic nomination. She filled that stage, that she huge did. stage. I think that she was probably, her and Mare are the two that would probably be removed however it was a weird season not I, us li- I'm literally not rehashing you. last year already i'm not with you i think carmen still would have gotten in i think sutton and the music man would not have i don't know because carmen mayor and sharon their shows were all closed at that point i think the girl from the north country was on its hiatus that's a good that point. point that's actually a really good point point. and sutton was running sutton and 
Joaquina and who was the other nominee? I think that's all five. That's it. Yeah. They were the only two in running shows. So I think that maybe it just automatically should have gone to Joaquina. But at the same time, you know, there were shutouts like Beanie. So I don't think that was a shutout in my opinion, but I am with you 100% on thinking that Jaquina would have probably still won. Yeah. I, I met. It's so funny. We're talking about this. It hasn't even been a year since. What's even sicker is I had to fully go look up who else was nominated. You did just now? Yeah. That's how I have Dylan. You really think I would have pulled Mayor Winningham out of a hat. <laughs> not you. you would not have you would not have i've That's already so funny. i've already forgotten who was nominated for oscars on sunday i mean <laughs> no you have not but i i will tell you when, when i was watching the oscars this past sunday i was thinking who won best actor last year and then i was like oh how could i forget it was will smith like i literally just forgot you know i remembered everybody else because jessica chastain obviously <laughs> was was the predecessor to this new win by michelle yo but let's let's talk about the oscars we we covered funny girl I definitely think people should grab a ticket and try and see it if you can. Oh yeah. You can't, you can't miss it. Yeah. It's, it's miraculous. But so the Oscars happened. This is um, only a few days post-mortem on the whole situation. There was no slap this year. What would you say the iconic moment of the Oscars was? Well, I just want to say for those of you who haven't heard our episode of Oscar Wilde yet, it might be a fun re-listen if you're like a drama super fan or an Oscar Wilde super fan to go and listen. We did it in January, right, Dylan? The one that we did on our, on yeah. our feed? Yeah, on January. Yeah, mm-hmm. where we talked all about this award season, who we thought we were going to win. And I think most of us felt Michelle Yeoh probably would win. We did. They, Nick and Sophia, who are our friends who host that, they even said everything everywhere at once will win. So they did. So, mm-hmm. okay. Iconic moment from this year's ceremony. Let me think about this for five seconds. Cause I can't give it much more thought other than the everything everywhere at once sweep. It was pretty like the Jamie Lee Curtis win is iconic. It is iconic. I think the whole conversation around it, I will say Angela Bassett's face made me sad. I don't think she was necessarily annoyed Jamie Lee, who is all of us. But I think that she <laughs> she did the thing. Angela Bassett did the thing. And this has happened now twice for her, that she hasn't gotten the ultimate trophy. But she is always doing projects. She's always in something. The whisper of her winning for a Marvel movie, you know, when it when the movie came out in November was still sort of like a, could this really be a thing? And I think it's amazing that it carried her that far. I want her to win Best Actress. I want her to win Best Actress for something incredible like Michelle Yeoh just did. I love that you said that. You said it almost immediately too, and it clicked for me. I was like, yes, Angela Bassett should have an Oscar. And she's always working, like you said. So it's so it's even like so random to me that it was in the Marvel movie that she got this next nomination, you know? Oh, yeah. I love her, though. I mean, she looked stunning. My favorite of the night like beyond yeah i mean paul mescal looked absolutely adorable i love him so much i was secretly hoping he would win but i knew it was gonna happen i know i think he was just there having fun i think so too and who knows he might win an olivier in a couple of weeks i wonder i don't know how those work as much so i can't really predict olivier's but we're sort of newer to the game we're sort of newer to that game yeah, he was fantastic in Streetcar. Oh, amazing. I love him so much. I fear he's about to like skyrocket into oversaturation territory. And not that I don't want him in everything, but I don't want the fun to go away as quickly as it came. You know, that yeah. happens with stars. Like even like Florence Pugh, I'm obsessed with. Like now I see her and I'm like, oh my gosh, like 
she hasn't been in a million movies this year and I've barely watched any of them. Like she was in that yeah. The Wonder on Netflix. She's in this new Zach Braff one that's coming out that I didn't even know until the red carpet happened. And I, I love when my favorite actors are in lots of great projects. I just fear sometimes when like a star is born and they shoot into like superstar territory that things get like weird. You know what I mean? I don't no, know if I, I'm explaining I, that I right. know what you mean. He's He is booked in a lot of things, but you know, I think that he'll be filming Gladiator for a long time and he's got merrily in the in the pot and there's that new musical that's coming out so i think you know actors come and go they disappear for a few years they come back when all their projects somehow come out in the same year it's so interesting the way that it all works but yeah he looked amazing austin butler looked amazing oh i think that um the kates blanchett and hudson were two of my favorite looks of the night i I may ask you this before we get into the whole awards sort of thing because I do think that Jamie Lee's win was like one of those iconic moments of the night, the speech, everything. What did you think of the red carpet host? There's sort of like this big hullabaloo online about actors um, interviewing actors. And I, I don't. Okay. I think Vanessa Hudgens delivered. She's amazing because at first I had the E coverage on and Laverne Cox was terrible. I heard that. You told me that. And I've seen Laverne do red carpet coverage before and she's done an amazing job she's normally supernatural like has a rapport with a lot of these people they all know her and she's full-time at e now right i think so also her dress was a flop but i love laverne but it was so bad dylan she was stumbling over all of her words like obviously it's hard you've got your cue cards you've got someone in your ear telling you things you've got to remember to send them back to adrian balon on this camera or this Kyle Richards' friend, Justin, from early seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills on the other carpet. Like, it's tough, but I think journalists should be running red carpets. These The correspondents should be the people who are who have great personalities, should be doing it. Like, what do you think? Other than Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. Because Ashley Graham, is that her name? Who's the other one on E? Yeah. On ABC? Mm-hmm. Well, there's this she, clip of her and Hugh Grant that's going I watched. I watched it live. And it was so uncomfortable and everyone in the room I watched, I was at this like viewing party at a bar in Bushwick and it was uncomfortable. She handled it well, but she didn't have the journalistic experience that someone who trained and studied to do it would. Someone who's a little lighter on their feet can make more of a moment out of it than just letting him trample all over you. I don't know. I just felt, I felt kind of bad for her because she probably shouldn't have been there in that situation. Yeah. Well, I, of course, what do you think? our favorite comedian, Michelle Collins, is, you know, on line tweeting through these ceremonies. And I think it should, should be someone like her, a comedian yeah. who also has, you know, interview experience, being a serious XM host for years, having her own show, being on The View, doing The Bachelor after show. It's like she is like the perfect person to do something like that because she knows how to she has the gift of gab. She keeps her finger on the pulse of everything and she knows how to interact. I don't need to see Ashley Graham interviewing people. Even when Vanessa Hudgens was interviewing Michelle Yeoh and the Daniels ran over and Vanessa obviously had no idea who they were. And she was kind of like, oh, it's the gang's all here. Like she tried her best, but like, had she been a journalist who was covering this beat all year long, she would have known, okay, this is Michelle. This is the Daniels. What is like a great question I can ask them about finally getting to Oscars night, like coming together as a team, like something else. And I fear these actors just aren't as equipped for it, but I will always love Vanessa Hudgens. And she was, she was really slaying these lines that when she would um, be kind of calling back to the movies and cutting away to commercials. So I loved her. Oh yeah. Well, she's done this for a few years now. So I, I actually think it's fine. She has experience. 
my whole thing too is is that everyone doesn't need to be everything so it's the idea of like yes you're an actor but you don't also need to be a skilled red carpet host you can be good at one thing or two things and we shouldn't have to expect everybody you know kiki palmer is an example of someone who's good at a lot of things so put her up there to do it you know it's also this whole thing of like should everybody be a podcast host that you and i have this conversation all the time you know i hear folks left and right especially when i'm socially out and about and i never offer the fact that I host a podcast, I will say, but I I think that our friends will sometimes say, oh, they host a podcast. You should listen. Or this happened to me a lot when I was in Chicago with Hunter and our friends is like our friend Grant or Scotty would say, oh, you should listen to his podcast. And then I kind of get a little gun shy about it. Whenever someone says that to me, I'm always like, okay, like what's the podcast? I know I've never put it on a dating profile. It's, it's in my bio on my Mm -mm. social platform. So if they find it, they find it, but I am totally with you. I don't offer it up. Mm -hmm. I don't like walk around the office, like yelling about it. It's, it's something I'm proud of, but for some reason, not something that I lead with. It's not who we are at the end of the day. I'm one of those people who thinks your job isn't define you. I love that you're like, this is my job. (laughs) Well, for about a year and a half during COVID it was, but um, totally. no, I I don't know. But so what the, the track that I was sort of going with is like, people will often say then after I say I have a podcast, yeah, it's this, they'll say, oh, I should have a podcast. Or I've always thought about it. And I always think, yes, podcasting is really hard. I feel like I'm that clip of um, Rachel Sennett and Bodies, Bodies, Bodies uh-huh. right now, but talking about how podcasting is very hard. <laughs> it is like running an entire company business, but having a very small mm-hmm. team. And you have to just be so, you know, not everyone does what we do, which you and I have free form chat with people. We have good banter, as they say on Love (laughs) Island. Or on Ted Lasso, there's the dating app banter. But Oh my mm -hmm. God, I didn't even put together that it's like a British thing to say banter. Oh Mm -hmm. my God. Banter or good chat. I just learned good chat the other day. That's a Love Island one too. But, you know, it's something that we're lucky to have. We've honed it over the years. And that's what... I think has let us be good hosts from the beginning. Do you think we're good? (laughs) Yes. I think that's why we've stuck around so long and people continue to want to chat with us. I've never been worried about it. No, but then you have people who think, oh, I should have a podcast and they go out there and do it and it's either stale or it's not what they think it's going to be. And what I'm just trying to say is hone your skills that you're good at. And if you really want to work hard at something that's definitely out of your wheelhouse, go for it, work hard at it but it doesn't need to be for everybody. You don't need to be everything everywhere all at once. Period. I love, I'm obsessed with that. That's so know. true. Cause no, it's like, oh, another, right. another actor announces they've got a podcast where they interview other actors. And it's like, there's only a few people who I think are really good at that. One of them is I've always felt that Anna Ferris is very good at that, but she is good. I, she's lost her, her verve a little bit, having lost her co-host who Sam, who kept her on track, but I'm agree. I agree. Anna's good at it. And apparently Dak Shepard is good, but he also has a co-host. Oh, I didn't know that. I've heard one episode of Armchair Expert. It was with Ellen Pompeo. Oh, f- oh yeah. You told me to listen to it. That's <laughs> It fine. was good. It's probably outdated at this point. Speaking but of, I know, Ellen well, Pompeo left Grey's. Wait, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say just really quick. Every single Bravo celebrity, aka reality oh. stars from Bravo, has a podcast. I am currently 10 minutes into... Kristen Doty's podcast. Oh, okay. Where- <laughs> now I want to hear about that. <laughs> where she is breaking down the Scandival, aka the Tom Sandoval, Ariana Maddox, Rachel Levis 
scandal that just broke out. But we, I know we should probably save this for drama because we have. To okay, we'll save it for drama. So we'll tease that. But we mm-hmm. was we were about to say something else a second ago, and we were talking about celebrities hosting pods. And well, then, I was just going to mention that Ellen Pompeo left Grey's with a whisper, with a whimper, not a bang. With a whimper, not a bang. I just watched it last night, and you t- you teased ahead of time that. The episode, she was like the C story of the episode. And she was 100%. Obviously, what they're doing is setting up the rest of the characters. They want the viewers who tuned in to be invested. And I'll say I'm a little curious to see where these characters go. But I know it'll be fine without Meredith because she's not been an integral part of the story for a long time. She's been the C storyline for years. And I mean, she's (laughs) you and I joked that she was in a COVID coma for like half a season she clocks only a certain number of days on set you know maybe it is time to end i wonder what the ratings look like i i don't know how they've been doing i mean i I know they filmed the whole season already and like or most of it but yeah i know i was watching it dylan i will admit i was like oh i kind of want to keep going i kind of are you considering not i am i'm just a little fatigued by it like it's the the even the patient storylines don't do it for me like they used to demi vibes Oh wow! You but don't like, do it for like, me like those early seasons of Grey's, like you felt the doctor patient, their their lives were having, they were taking themes from these illnesses and surgeries and things that the patients were bringing into their lives, and they would have a, an epiphany and they'd realize, right. oh my god, I need to go tell Karav I love him, or tell George that I'm sorry I stole his surgery, whatever it was that they were doing in the early days, and Ellen left, and I. Okay, I guess this is kind of a spoiler for how she left, but they left the door open, but there's a cliffhanger with her love interest. And she still does the opening monologues in the episode. Have you watched like the episodes beyond? No. Yeah, her how voice are is they? still they feel like it's like the voice of God now. because like, she's not <laughs> even there, you know, but she's still giving this wisdom. Okay, you I know what I cannot with and this feels like one of the more Grey's Anatomy they used to do this really well where they showed differing viewpoints in a relationship where like yang did not want kids but owen really did or you know whatever it may have been like derek and meredith arguing about the ethics of their clinical trial or whatever it was like you would see these couples together this one with maggie who is meredith's half sister that was introduced 11 seasons into the show and her husband winston who came in like two or three years ago like right when covid the covid season started he's so hot i love him yeah underdeveloped Um, but yeah underdeveloped for sure they literally brought him in they were like okay well this is her love interest now it's covid now i cannot with their storyline where she disrespects him for not so they're married and they're in love and i'm kind of barely watching while i'm doing laundry by the way so if i'm missing details let me know but it's like so annoying to me that the writers are like pushing this conflict that's he doesn't care about his career like I do. So I don't think I can respect him as a man to love me if he doesn't love his work more than he loves me. Like I like my work more than I love him. Is that kind of where they are? They don't even know if we should get into it. There's so much to it. But it's that's like, to break it down, that's what it's I guess at. bare bones, but also there's his side of things about why they're kind of fractured and why he okay. wants to pull away. And it, it's, I agree with you though. It's silly. It's, it's gotten soap opery with a lot of the characters. Soap opera. Because when the, when these people have been on the show for so long, it's like how many different storylines can we give them? But you'll hear about this on a later episode of drama that was my dose of drama, but I'm watching Ted Lasso finally and i'm absolutely obsessed okay so thoughts on season two of ted lasso i love it i love the show so much it's definitely got like a a heavier not heavier tone but they're really leaning into this whole like mental health matters type situation where they're kind of 
talk about a lot about self-worth and a lot about fathers and their children is like an overlaying storyline of like the way that the different players and their parents and even Ted talks about his relationship to his dad and Rebecca yeah. and her dad and everything. So I don't know. It's it's definitely heavier than the first. I almost feel like Ted is not like the central character at all times anymore. It's really become more of an ensemble. And he, I mean, there's some episodes where he doesn't really even have a storyline other than that he's there mm-hmm. in the background. But I love it. I love the show so much. I think I think it's like brilliantly written. Oh my and- God. It's so good. I, I've watched season one like three or four times. What is it about it that you've watched it over and over again? Because you don't really... Well, I'll like throw it on. You know what I mean? Like I'll throw it on in the background. Mm -hmm. I didn't love season two. And I was watching it week to week the first like three weeks of it. And then I wasn't really engaged. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to binge this like I did season one. I just feel like, I mean, it certainly leaned into the weird in a good way, in some, in a good and bad ways in season two. But I just felt like to your point, like for being a, a, the season one was like, candy it was just this comfort food it was just lovely like it was so funny and so sweet and had important topics but like the stakes that were kind of high were like never that high like even like the whole conceit of the show is that he's supposed to come in and kind of sabotage this team unbeknownst to him and he doesn't but like so i felt that season two they took the edge away from rebecca which was an issue for me and i thought that it became way too too serious with the mental health storylines that it didn't feel like a comedy to me anymore. And I was like, this is still great. I still love it, but it's not like as rewatchable as season one. I don't know how you Okay. Feel. Okay. Yeah. I'm not done yet. So I, I don't want to say yes. too much. But... And I will say season two ends on quite a controversial moment. So fan, really? fans have been waiting now for, I think it ended in like fall 2022. So we've been waiting for a while to see where this picks up, which is the alleged final season. Oh, so there's only been like six months since it ended? Oh my God, I mean 2021, sorry. Oh my God, it's been that long. Yes, it was right when I moved back to New York that I watched season two. Vivid in my brain, I guess. Yeah, the final season, you know, people are really upset online that Ted Lasso is ending and Succession is going to be ending. And there was one or two other shows that announced their ending. And I have to just say, you know, things can't go on forever. Like we were just talking about with Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) You know, like in in a lot of these shows, because of the format and these streamers, they don't have to go on forever because it's not like cable where they want to keep that slot filled forever. So good point. They can they can, you know, everyone in Ted Lasso is going to be stars now and do their own things. And yeah, granted, some of them already were. But anyways, isn't Keely amazing? Oh, she's like my my favorite part about the show. Of course, Hannah Waddingham is amazing. I mean, she deserves she needs her own show, in my opinion. It's coming, right? Like she. She played the witch in Into the Woods on the West End. Yeah, she's she's had quite a theater career. I mean, I it's like so laughable to me when someone can sing and they make them sing on the show. Like she sang Christmas Baby, Please Come Home in the Christmas episode. It was like crazy good, like insane. Like, come on. Well, in season one, she's saying Let It Go. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is a funny choice to me. I don't know why they had her do Let It Go. Like maybe that was like a, maybe she did it somewhere and they were like, oh my God, we need Hannah to do it on the show. It is a funny choice. Well, they set it up in the episode that like she would watch Frozen with her like bestie's kid, right? Sassy's kid. Sassy's kid. And Mm -hmm. she's stinky. They call her stinky. Stinky. Which is so silly. (laughs) We spent far too much time on Ted Lasso. Oh my God. And Grace. We need to close the loop on the Oscars because we we, we're talking (laughs) about hosts and whatnot. So Jamie Lee obviously won. And she is all of us. She is all of us. And Key from Everything Everywhere All at Once won. That's my favorite category. I said this on our episode with Nick and Sophia. 
to me, it's not as serious as the actress ones for some reason, you know, because men are always going to get hired. But in this case, it felt serious. This is his big comeback moment. I saw every single performance from that category. I think it's the only category I saw every performance in. Oh, yeah. yeah me, okay, I'm with you. I missed a few this year, too. Surprisingly. Yeah, I don't think you saw Causeway. Did not see Causeway, and I skipped The Whale. Yeah, so I didn't see either of those. And I didn't see Living, and I didn't see... Um, to Leslie. To Leslie. So this was the only category I saw all of them in. And anybody could have won, truly. But this had to be Key's year. I mean, he was had so to be. freaking good. Of course, I love Barry, and I love Brennan Gleeson. And when they show that clip of Barry doing the, I guess there goes that dream, or whatever the yeah. line is, that is so beautiful. It is. Um, thoughts on the clips not being the scene straight through, but rather montage with the lines narrated? Sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. What do Agree. you think? Agree. Yeah, it was it was mixed for me because, you know, we used to live for those clips when we were little middle school, early high school closeted awards gays. They would show the same one at every like oh, I remember yeah. Monique and Precious. They showed uh-huh. the same scene in every award show. Yes. And maybe it was even just one time, but we were just fixated on her. But who's going to love me? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. That's the uh-huh. scene. Oh, that was great. It's funny because I feel like a lot of supporting, a lot of people who win Oscars don't really go on to keep getting nominated for Oscars. Like Monique. Well, that's the thing about, there. there's this whole thing with Black women. So it was when Octavia Spencer won for The Help. She was the first actress to be nominated again for an Oscar. That's right. After winning. So she was then nominated for Shape of Water. And that was like the first time. But agree. I mean, a lot wait, of actors- wait, Shape of Water. And then the next year for um, Hidden Figures, right? Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Or, or maybe it was in the reverse of that. It, yeah, okay. I happened. Wait. Did we vote Meghan Markle, the reverse happened. <laughs> Forever iconic. It's interesting. You're right. I mean, if you win, I think a lot of people too, like Anne Hathaway hasn't been nominated since her win. Jennifer Hudson hasn't been nominated since her win. She almost was for the Aretha movie, for respect. But it's, it's you know, either I think sometimes actors... Alicia Vikander, but Alicia, I mean, where is she? <laughs> Some actors will that they find that to be the pinnacle of their career, and then they can choose whatever project they want, or they go on to do TV instead, or they do theater. Or some actors, I think some just don't pick the right projects afterwards. I know that's probably part of it too, for sure. Or they just want to go do whatever they want. Wait, speaking of an Oscar winner who's picking an interesting project, I can't wait for that Jennifer Lawrence movie with Andrew Barth Feldman. Yes, that's gonna be good. It's gonna be so good i love her i know i feel like she jayla and hathaway are two examples of a-list actors who were unfortunately becoming popular in the era of like relatable girl culture where it was like hated on to be like a relatable quirky girl and not that they, not that either of them are quirky but they were like just cool girls on award on talk shows and red carpets and stuff and so like the internet decided to hate them in the advent of like Twitter and things like that. So I feel like they're having their comeuppance, both of them. Totally. The thing I was going to say about Anne Hathaway is that iconic photo of her dancing. Was it after the Emmys? No, it was um, it was a festival, right? Where she yes. they showed her new movie. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. She is legendary. Like She's so beautiful I and love talented. Her so I much. love her so much. Anne Hathaway, Ugh. the rumor said she was Bobby and company before she got pregnant. And, and I still say she could still do it. Totally. Revi- revive the revival of company with Anne Hathaway as Bobby. You can do it. If Katrina Lane could do it at 40, well, they're whatever. They're doing a tour. They're doing the yeah. tour. I, okay, I'm in. I'm yeah. in. 
Anne is going to win a Helen Hayes Award for her <laughs> regional. In D.C. It'll, it'll be awarded in D.C. where it opens. <laughs> okay, sweet. And then obviously Michelle Yeoh won and she was presented the award by Halle Berry. It was such a groundbreaking moment. You know, 21 years later, the second actress of color to win Best Actress. It's insane. It should have gone to Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom back in 2020 or 2021. Well, but yeah, but this moment was special in its own right. And I am so glad that Michelle is the one who did it. She's someone who's in literally everything. And now you're like, oh yeah, she was in this movie and this movie and this movie and this movie. And she's going to be Madame Morrible and Wicked. Which is amazing. And also coming out a month sooner than we thought. Yes. Coming out in Thanksgiving 2024. Mm-hmm. It's always funny 20- when, when movie dates move because it's never really because the movie is getting done ahead of time. It's because another movie is going to be coming out. Oh, interesting. So what else in Universal Slate or whatever are they pushing for the Christmas release? Could it be, uh, I don't know, I got, what, what could be bigger than Wicked? That's true. That's true. Because usually that's like the Christmas Day musical. I don't but maybe they want to ride that Thanksgiving through Christmas wave. Maybe because really well, last year there was there. no Thanksgiving movie and it was it sort of ended up being Glass Onion in its limited release. It did huge numbers and then went away. So I don't know. It could be a superhero movie that they're saving or... Speaking of Glass Onion, if Jamie Lee can get nominated for Everything Everywhere, Kate Hudson could have been nominated for Glass Onion. Totally. I love the idea of comedic... Comedic performances. Yes, yes. Kate was so perfectly cast in Glass Onion and she was so funny. She's mother. You love saying that. <laughs> so what else do you want to discuss before we get to drama? Or is it time for drama? I think it's time for drama, but I do want to give a shout out to Jessica Chastain. We've mentioned her a lot today for masking up during the Oscars. She was the only one. She was. And even in that bit that they, you know, when Jimmy Kimmel was asking audience questions, I didn't even notice her there because she was incognito in her mask. <laughs> yes. Just like Beanie Feldstein at the recent invited dress rehearsal of Shocked. Oh my God. <laughs> and she nodded at me knowingly on the corner when I looked her in the eye and she knew and I knew that we were both funny, funny girls. <laughs> That's right now. Okay. So this is such a fun episode. We've flown through it, but we do have to end with a little drama, which is a segment that y'all are still getting used to. It's submission that can be, you know, a tea. It can be a question for us. It can be a question about the world, the industry, trends, gossip, anything LGBTQIA plus mama, period. And we had a single submission this week. One? Just one. (laughs) And it said, Scandaball. Mm, now 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 this is the only now it's good this was the only one submission we got this week because it's the only one thing that's been rattling around in my brain for weeks yeah you mentioned earlier you're listening to Kristen duty's podcast like i said duty instead of doty duty Kristen doty we need to put more respect on her name because although it didn't end as well as it could have she was such a legendary reality character for years Love her or hate her. I mean, she she gave us moments. I mean, not only the Jack's cheating storyline, but the James cheating storyline. Oh, because she brought James onto the show. Yeah, they were like dating, going yeah. to that new season. I, am, I think the same my season. My mind is actually blown right now. It's crazy. The, the connection of it's a love square. But then I'm pretty sure he cheated on her. Kristen and Tom were together. Mm-hmm. Tom and Ariana kind of started. They always had a bond. But, but Kristen yeah. broke up with Tom after che- they, they broke up after she cheated on him with Jax in the, in the house watch it while they were watching Drive. Legendary legend. They're broken up. Tom gets together with Ariana. Kristen gets together with James, DJ James Kennedy. Period. They break up after a troubled relationship. After she, she looked at the Uber receipts famously. 
Right. Or the lift receipts. It was, she found out he was cheating because she went into his app and saw where he was going back and forth from or whatever. Iconic. She gave us so much. I mean, and then it ended so sour because, well, by the end of it, she had fallen out with all the girls. And of course, the firing was the firing. But even before that, like, I feel like it was just Kristen in her WeHo apartment, just like simply sitting on a couch, not invited to these events. It just, it ended so badly. Yeah, she hadn't worked at Sir. Was she fired from Sir? Did she quit? I'm pretty sure she was fired by Lisa because she she was so bad to Lisa. Yeah, she was rude anyway, to so the other owner. I'm listening to her podcast, and for those of you that don't know what Scandaval is, basically Ariana and Tom have been cast members and dating on Vanderpump Rules for like six or seven years. They've been together all this time. They're still on the show. The show was currently airing, and it came out like almost two weeks ago, I think. That for the past seven months, Tom has been cheating on Ariana with someone else from the friend group named. Raquel, although her real name is Rachel, who was dating DJ James Kennedy, aka Kristen's ex, aka Lala's former fling. And Raquel was actually engaged to James, but they broke up before the last reunion. But anyway, so this season that takes place over the summer of 2022, Raquel was having a fling with Tom Schwartz, who is Tom Sandoval's best friend. But in the last six, seven months, Raquel and Tom Sandoval have been having a literal affair, hooking up in the house while Ariana's home, things like that, like truly carrying out in secret. There's conspiracies about these lightning bolt necklaces they both wear to kind of like honor each other. The rumors are of a buzz of like what's happening, how what was their plan, all this stuff. But on Dodie's podcast that I'm listening to right now and I'm 10 minutes into, she says that Ariana was at Tom Sandoval's concert for his band and some intuition within her. Okay, he had like lost his phone and someone gave it to her and something in her gut was like, you should look at his phone. She never does that, like, so trusting. This she's, is all the cool, to she's a cool girl, you know? She's a cool girl. She opened up Sandoval's phone, and in his photos was a screen-recorded FaceTime masturbation session between Raquel, a.k.a. Rachel, and Sandoval. And she knew he was a dirty fucking cheater. It's so sick. It's so sick. There's even more details, but it's crazy. Can you believe this is real? It's real. It's real. And what's even crazier is that it's dominated the public conversation. Because I think... I didn't realize how much this, I think because <laughs> it's been entered in pop culture legend, this Bravo show, the slap, this, you know, so much about these couples and these people that it's now like we all are in on it in a way that someone would be in on. I don't know, like if, if something, I, I don't even know if like it would matter this much with like a Bachelor Nation person or something because these people have been on our TV for so many years. 100%. You're, that is so true. Because I guess when a Bachelor scandal happens, it's usually like, if it's not within the season, no one cares. Right, and it's by the reunion usually. Also, I feel like Bachelor scandals are kind of like, meh. Yeah. For, for a very specific audience, though, maybe they are still a huge deal. But yeah, the Scandoval stuff's crazy. I, to your point, which we also discussed on a reason I was it's coming out soon, I, it's hard for me to imagine all of them coming back to the show. I know that they will, though. And I've thought about this ever since we had that conversation. I know they all will because they need the money, they need the fame, and they want to tell their redemption stories and explain themselves. It's why Erica Jane is still on Beverly Hills, you know? She needs the income. She's going to show up and do her job. So yeah, I think so too. I, I will say I learned from some outlet that I guess Tom Sandoval was pissed about the way the, the first time they picked up cameras and it was him and Raquel filming. He didn't like the way things came across already for himself. And so he's already kind of trying to control the narrative and ask them to refilm it. And the Bravo people said no. Wow. I've actually heard that on Vanderpump Rules, they do do a lot of reshoots. Through the years, I've heard of a lot of people catching continuity errors and like scenes that are filmed at the end of a season and put in later or into earlier in it. Really? That's so weird. Yes. yes. And it's not that they're refilming a scene 
to fake something. It's like they needed a scene to it because something happened off camera that they need to set up for to make it make sense to the viewers, which I think is really interesting. I, I feel like may, maybe because uh. they're more honest, they're all saying it, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I think I'm okay with it because it tells the narrative. And as long as it's real, it's real. Wow. Well, it'll remain to be seen. I'm so eager to see. So these episodes are going to be tacked onto this season? Yes. Yeah. So we'll see them in okay. a couple months. I mean, probably by like May, maybe June. I, I wonder if like in a mid-season trailer, we're even going to see like early footage. I Oh my God. The second I get my grimy little pause on some <laughs> doty filming footage, I am, I can't. I love that she has been called in. Allegedly some other Legacy cast members have been contacted. Jax Taylor said he was going to be doing Watch What Happens Live. Or... Oh, interesting. But that was, it was unclear if he was going to be doing like a, a pop-in filmed bit, you know, like on a camera feed. Wow. Because, yeah, they haven't been back. Jax, Brittany, Kristen, and Stassi, in, in relation to that bow, Stassi's man, have not been back in years ever since the firing. So it's so it fun. It's so good. It's so good. I'm so glad I... we decided to binge season nine in like January. Your mind. <laughs> How did you know? Anyways, all right, well, I think this has been a lot of twin talk today for, for everybody involved, but we've teased it a little bit. We have some really awesome episodes coming up. To celebrate Women's History Month, we've got some badass ladies joining us on the pod. So tell all your friends, tell all your coworkers. We want you to lead with the pod. You know, we may not lead with it. Hey, I'm a podcast host. Like, you should totally check this out. We need y'all to be our ambassadors of drama. And I do have a dose of drama today. We are clear from the start that our podcast is not a, we're going to spill this tea like the fags we are. No, this podcast is called Drama and it covers theater, pop culture, love and life and the drama of all of it. What is more dramatic than all of those things? Nothing. I mean, look, look at all these things we were covering. We covered theater. We covered pop culture. We covered love. And hey, you know what? We even covered life. So this is drama. This is our show. If you're looking for a podcast where we're going to tear people down, spill secrets, etc., this is not the one, never has been, never will be, because we love the arts. We love the people who make it. And that's why we do drama. So period. Ah. <laughs> on that note. On that note, I share your dose of drama and I will see you next time. Drama. drama.